That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This baby was the greatest gift the world would ever know. For this is how God loved the world. He gave the greatest gift, His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. everyone. It's good to see you here this morning. And if it's your first time here, if you're watching online for the first time, my name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're glad that you're with us here on this Sunday morning. We're in our last week of this series called The Greatest Gift. And we've been reflecting on the gift that God has given um, us as we enter into this holiday season. And before we jump into the message today, I wanted us to take a moment just as a church, if we could do something. Um, we have two individuals that are a core part of our church. They have been here longer than I've been here and um, are key members of our church. And both of them are elderly gentlemen and they're in the hospital sick right now with COVID. And there is some other medical things. And so the family is a little bit concerned. Their names are Ron and Jerry. Some of you guys may know them. And I wanted us to just take a moment and just lift them up, that God's presence would be with them right there in that room, right where they're at, and he would touch their body physically. So church, I wanna ask you if you'd lift up your voice with me and let's pray for them, Ron and Jerry, this morning. Lord, we come before you, and just like we sang in worship, God, we believe that you are the healer, God. We believe that you are the God who is able to do the impossible, Lord. You can still work today, right now, in our time, Lord. And so, God, I lift up Ron in that room right now. God, I lift up Jerry right where he is at. And I speak healing over their body, God. We pray in faith that you would minister to them, God, that you would strengthen them, that you would touch their lungs, touch every part of their body, God. Bring healing to them, God. Encourage their spirits, Lord. Lift them up today. Let them sense your presence right there in that room with them, Lord. And God, we pray this as your church this morning. We ask this in your name, amen. Ron, Jerry, if you guys are watching this, your church loves you. Can we give it up for them, church? We love you guys. We're praying for you. Well, as I mentioned, we're in our third week of this series called The Greatest Gift. We started by talking about how God gave himself, how Jesus came to this earth and the gift that God gave. Last week, we talked about this idea that... Um, that God, God is the gift that keeps on giving. And so how he gave us salvation, how he gave us joy, and it's not just something one time a year, but how he continues to do this throughout the year. And today we're talking about this idea, God gave extravagantly. God gave extravagantly. So if you're taking notes, if you have the NCC app, you can take a moment, take that out and write down some of these things that we're gonna talk about because 
I believe God wants to challenge you this morning. God gave extravagantly. I don't know if you've thought about what an extravagant gift is. If any of you have an extravagant gift planned, um, as we watch different Christmas movies with our families, sometimes depending where we're watching it, ads will pop up. And some of the ads I see, I think, man, that is an extravagant gift. Can you imagine going out and maybe you've seen these commercials where it's snowing outside and you go outside and out in the snow is a brand new car with a ribbon on it. I think we have a picture of this here, right? I cannot imagine any world where Sarah surprises me. That would definitely be an extravagant gift and buys me an expensive SUV type vehicle like this. Like in my mind, that is, that's the definition of extravagance. I was asking my kids about this. I asked Gabe, one of our older sons, I said, hey, what do you consider an extravagant gift? He's like, dad, anything over $9,000. And I said, you are not gonna be getting an extravagant gift, buddy. Okay, like, so man, that's a pretty high standard. I don't know why 9,000, but that was kind of his cutoff point for some reason. He's like, anything over $9,000. But, but extravagance isn't just like money. It's not just the amount of money that you give. Sometimes it's your time, it's your effort, it's your energy, it's what you put into it. We um, have a few Christmas movies we watch every year. One of them is Christmas Vacation. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched that, right? And the guy, um, one of the main characters on there who is played by Chevy Chase, he decorates his house with so many lights. And when I think when they first turn on the lights, like you can see this, we have a clip of it, like it blinds his neighbors, like the lights are so much, right? And like, he's trying to figure out to plug it in, like they can't see anything. It, it's like invading their house. It takes out all of the power from the houses around them because it's like so much and the power plant has to like turn on extra power for them. But that image of like all these lights just shining like that. I think, man, that is extravagance going above and beyond. And that's the definition of extravagance is this excessiveness or this elaborateness in your action or in your speech. It's when you have a lack of restraint by spending or giving of your resources, your time, your money. Um, I talked to my daughter and she said, it's when a person is noticeable or they have all of the attention like on them, like this extravagant kind of lifestyle. And this is what God did. This is how God gave to us. When we stop and reflect this Christmas season, God went above and beyond. God did so much more than we could have ever imagined, than we could have thought, than probably we would have planned or thought about. God gave extravagantly to us to demonstrate his love for us. And so I'm gonna walk us through a number of verses this morning. If you have your Bible, you can start by opening up to Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 1, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. And as we've gone through this series, and even today, we're going to look at a few verses in Isaiah. Isaiah was this prophet who lived a couple of hundred years before the time of Christ. And God continued to give Isaiah these thoughts, these visions, these ideas, kind of this prophetic message around this Savior that would be born, this Messiah that would come and redeem the world and restore the world. And in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, this is kind of a different picture that he gives us as he's talking about God's salvation coming. It says this, Therefore, there shall come from a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root that will bear fruit. And then he goes on to describe who this person will be. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, and the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. 
Now, I read that because I was looking up different verses about Christmas, and this came up, and I thought, this sounds kind of an odd way to describe Jesus being born. But it is unique because this image that Isaiah gets is a stump. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to cut down a tree, but most of the time, like when you go out, maybe you're looking for a Christmas tree and you go to a tree farm, right? You cut down the tree and you take that home and you leave the stump. There you guys, okay, you're getting it. It's a little interactive today, right? You leave the stump. You don't do anything with it. It's worthless. You're not gonna decorate the stump. It just stays there, right? Earlier this year, we needed them to cut down trees so that we could get toilet paper because we were running out, right? But they weren't doing anything with the stump. The stump just stays in the ground. It's useless. It's there like you don't think anything about it. And that's what the picture Isaiah is getting. Hey, the way that the Messiah is gonna be born, it's gonna be different than you think. It's not gonna come in the way that everyone is thinking. The way that God is gonna show up and arrive here on this earth, it's gonna be different than how you would do it or what you would think is useful. God is going to do it in a unique way. And so he gives us this image. It's like the stump. It's this thing that no one else thinks to use. And yet that, that is how God is gonna introduce his salvation into the world because Jesus came as a baby. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about this, you know, God, you gave so much more than you had to. The greatest gift, God gave more than he had to. When you think about how he came to this earth and what he did, it was so different than any way that I could have imagined or that I could have thought of. He gave more than he had to. John chapter 1, verse 14, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John tells us the Christmas story different than any other gospel writer. I mean, Matthew and Mark, they include shepherds and wise men and stars and mangers and a baby and Bethlehem and all of this. And John uses this poetic language. And in John 1.14, this is how he tells the Christmas story. The word became flesh. God himself wrapped himself up as a human and he dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John uses different imagery as he starts to tell the Christmas story. And he said, what I need you to know is that God came as a baby. And I was just reflecting on this this week. God gave more than he had to. He came as a baby. God, the creator of everything, the one who spoke everything into existence, for the first time, he relied on his creation for life as he was growing inside of the womb of Mary. And God himself who spoke the stars into place, who created all of the mountains and the rivers and everything that we see in the trees, who gave us life, all of the different creatures. He grew fingernails. His lungs were formed. I don't know if he had hair. Some of our kids did when they were born, some didn't. He did all of that, that babies do. He came as a child. And as I was just reflecting on that and thinking about that, the wonder of that, that he didn't need to do any of that. He could have came as a man. He could have came as an adult. Like, I just thought that would have made such a great movie, like, right? Out of the desert came one man, a man with no past who changed the future, right? In this beautiful kind of trailer or movie scene, right? And he has no origin story. He just shows up, this guy that no one knows about and no one knows his family, but he shows up on the scene and he does some amazing things and he dies to give his life. But 30 years, have you thought about that? 30 years, 
of eating and sleeping and saying, yes, mom, yes, dad, I'll do those chores that you're telling me to do and learning how to be a carpenter and going to church like this into the synagogue and hearing people read the words that he wrote hundreds and even thousands of years ago and he's sitting in there, he knows more about scripture than anyone else and yet he's willing to be taught 30 years. He gave more than he had to, why? Because he loved you that much. That's how much he loved his creation. He was willing to spend time with us. He was willing to get near to us. He gave more than he had to. He could have just shown up as an adult on the scene and lived a few years and then died and then gone back to heaven, but he chose to be near to us. He chose to give up everything and to spend time with us because he loved us. That's what scripture says. That's why it describes him as Emmanuel, God with us, because he chose to draw near to his creation. He loved us that much. In a book that I've been reading about the wonder of God and what God has done. This author who is so creative uses great language. A book is called Notes from a Tilt World. And he's talking about how crazy God has made our world. And he gives this story about how one day um, it's hot outside. He's out in the backyard and he is mowing his lawn. And I don't know if he's from Texas, but it sounded like he was because he went over one of those fire ant hills. Have any of you guys ever done that mowing the lawn, right? and chaos breaks out like they're trying to cover your shoes and you're running as fast as you can to get away from them. But he's like, as kind of I'm watching what's happening and I let the lawnmower stop and I'm watching all of the ants trying to like rebuild and do everything, whatever's going on in their ant city. And he's like, for a moment, I feel like Godzilla, right? I've come and I've crashed their world. He's like, I was thinking, what could I do to explain to them, hey, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna rebuild. All of this is gonna be fine. Like, it's gonna happen. And he said, if I could become an ant, right, I could do that. But he said, then this thought came into my mind, like, I'm not gonna waste my life doing that. Like, my life is so valuable. We are kind of, we're, we're evolved beings, right? Like, we know so much. Like, our life is worth so much more. Why would I waste it all? Why would I give it all? My kids, my money, my house, my car, all of those things just to explain to ants that it's gonna be okay and then he said, then I realized that's what Jesus did. His life was so much more valuable. He's God, you guys. And yet he chooses to waste it, to give extravagantly, to go above and beyond, to give more than he had to, to come and to get near to us, to build that relationship again, to pay the price, to make that sacrifice because he wanted to be close to you. That's what extravagance looks like, church that he was willing to lay it all down to be born as a baby, to spend 30 some years here on this earth, drawing near to us, getting close to us. Why? Because he wanted us to know that kind of love. He wanted us to know a love that would waste it all, that would spend it all so that we could be restored back into a right relationship with God. And as I've mentioned a number of times in this series, my question for you is, have you stopped and said thanks for that? Have you stopped during what is always a busy time of the year and, and everything that we have to get done? And have you been pausing and just reflecting and saying, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you gave more than you had to because you loved us that much. The second thing that I want you to think about is God gave extravagantly because he gave us a choice. He gave you and me, he gave us a choice if you have your Bibles, or you may be familiar with this, Genesis chapter 2, 
verse 15, all the way back at the beginning of creation. I was reflecting on this again, God's love. It says this in Genesis 2, 15, after God had made everything, the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in this day that you eat it, you will surely die. And I was thinking about that verse and the love of God and what that verse speaks about the love of God. And sometimes that's hard for us to understand. I mean, I'm thinking about God's perspective. He's like, hey, I gave you everything that you could want, apples, bananas, mangoes, pineapples. I mean, any of those things, right, that you wanna eat, like it's all there. And yet, what do we do as men and women? We see one tree, right, that God says no, and we want that. It's not anything else, right? Not all of the other stuff God has provided, but that one thing that God said, hey, there's a safety around this, there's a boundary, don't touch that. It's gonna bring death to you, and that's what we want. In wrestling through that idea of like that picture of God's love, It's the idea that God loved you so much that he gave you a choice. He did from the very beginning, still to this day, you have a choice. And that's the key component of love is that you take a risk, right? I don't know if you can remember back for some of you or some of you may be living these moments in your elementary school right now, but there's that guy or girl that you think is so attractive and there's butterflies in your stomach, right? And you write the note, will you be my boyfriend or girlfriend? Check yes or no, right? And you slide it or you give it to your friend and they give it to a friend and it eventually gets to that person. That's a risk, isn't it? To love means that you're gonna risk. Guys or girls, whenever you got engaged, right? That proposal ring, whenever they're kneeling down or you're asking, whatever that is, that's a risk. To love is a risk. You're about to all probably do a big risk. You're gonna give someone a Christmas gift. You don't know if they're gonna like it, but you hope they love it because it's an expression of your love towards that person. That is a risk, right? They could open it up and say, I don't want these socks and throw them to the side. It's a risk, it is. That's what love is. And that's what God did. He loved extravagantly because he gave us a choice. He put a choice in front of us to love him, to accept him, or to reject him. Sometimes in our mind, we may think God should have done it differently. A few years ago, I got my son, Jaron, this little guy. Say hi to Jamu. Okay? Okay, what this guy does is Jaron was interested in coding and his battery's dead, so I can't actually get him to do anything right now. But Jaron was interested in coding, and so we got him this little robot guy, and Jaron built him. And then on his smartphone, he can take it out and he can hit this button that says wave and Jimmy will wave or he'll do this little kind of dance back and forth. There's a few things that he can do, but it all comes at the press of a button. And sometimes in our mind, we may think like, well, God, that's what you should have done, right? If you loved us, you should have protected us and not given us a choice. But I mean, who would want to really live like that? And is that love where God hits the button and you say, I love you, God. That's my best robot voice, you guys, okay? He presses the button, you lift your hands, right? You sing the song, you clap. I would love that because I always clap off beat. So if God could press a button, help me clap on beat. But that's what we think sometimes, right? Like, God, you could have just made us robots, but that's not love. That's not love if we don't have a choice, if there's not the possibility to either accept or reject, and we're just kind of programmed in to do these certain things to follow after him. No, 
He wanted a creation that would choose him, that would want to be near him because that was God's desire. He chose us and he wanted to be near to us. He loved extravagantly because he gave us a choice. He gave us the ability and that's what love requires. It requires a risk. And, and that must have been a big risk, even God knowing the future, knowing that many of us may not accept him, may reject him, may choose our own way, that this was the course that we would go on, women and men all throughout history. But yet he still loved us and he loved us extravagantly. He loved us in a way that put him at risk and made him vulnerable so that we could truly love him, so that we could truly accept him or reject him. And when you see that kind of extravagant love, that he didn't make you a robot, he didn't force you to love him, it should motivate us. That kind of kindness, that kind of love from God should cause us to pause in different moments and say, God, what am I choosing? God, am I choosing to accept your love or am I still rebelling and doing this on my own? Am I trying to do this in my own way, in my own ability, God? Or am I truly accepting the love that you've given me? You have that decision. But no matter what you decide, he has loved extravagantly because he's given you that choice. The last thing that I want you to think about is this, is that he gave us himself. This is where we started this whole series he gave us himself. He, as John put, he wrapped himself up in flesh. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this will be the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. When I was reading this verse again, because sometimes we hear Christmas verses like this, and we don't ever think what's around them. This doesn't seem like the best place to put a Christmas verse because these people are rebelling against God. The people of God are choosing to be, be disobedient and God's telling them like, hey, this isn't what I've planned for you. This isn't my desire. And so he tells them this, hey, I'll give you a sign then. If you're gonna disobey, if you're gonna rebel, if you're gonna turn against me, let me give you a sign and this will be the sign that the virgin will conceive and bear a son and you're gonna call his name Emmanuel this will be the sign. It's that I'll come and be with you. When you choose to reject me, when you choose to turn and run the other way, this is how I'll respond as God. I'll get closer to you. When sometimes you choose destruction and sinful behavior that hurts you or others, I'll come and I'll pay the price. I'll make the way. I will be Emmanuel. I will be God with you. Sometimes the power of these Christmas Verses comes when we know the context of what's going on. These guys are rebelling against him, and he says, hey, I'm going to be near you. I desire to be close with you, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the sign that he's given us. God loved extravagantly. He chose to be close to you. As I mentioned, when he could have done it any other way and chosen any other path, he chose to be close to you because he loves you. He loves you that much. And I want us to take a moment, ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on this. Have you accepted that love? Are you like maybe the people of God who he's talking to when he writes this verse where your life feels like it's rebelling against God or you're making decisions on your own, you're not consulting God or 
he's not a part of your life. You're just trying to do this in your own power or in your own strength. The Bible says that we've all been there at one time or another. And we can't fix ourselves on our own. We can't be good enough or do enough good things to earn God's favor. And the beauty of the gospel and the Christmas story is we don't have to. He came and made the way. He came and paid the price for your sin and for my sin. When we could not fix ourselves, he came and gave himself to the world so that we could know that relationship with God, so that we could receive that gift. And if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship, I wanna lead you in a prayer. If you're watching this online, I want you to pray with us. And I'm gonna ask that we all pray this together. We don't want anyone praying this alone. So whether you've said this a hundred times before, I want you to say this out loud with me. Let's pray. Jesus, I come to you and I realize I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. So this morning I accept your gift. Jesus, your gift of salvation. So be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate for anyone who may have prayed that prayer? I believe that, that if you're recommitting your life to Christ or if you've never had that relationship, but you prayed that this morning, that God is doing something new in you. He wants to, to give you the gift of his son, which brings joy and peace to your life this holiday season. And I want all of us to respond in just one more way. As we kind of close out this series this morning, we've talked about this, how God gave himself. That was the greatest gift. Last week, we talked about how it's his salvation and his joy that keeps giving, not just one part of the year, but every single day of the year. And today, God gave extravagantly. He loves you so much. He wants to be near to you. And I want us to just take a couple of moments here, and I want us to reflect on that. Would you just, right where you're at, think about that, the gift that God has given and how that is changing and impacting your life this Christmas season. So let's take a moment. Let's reflect on that together. Thanks for joining us on the New Community Church Podcast. Take some time this week to just be quiet and reflect on the greatest gift that God has given us, how extravagant that gift was that he would send his son to make a way for us to be with him. Here at New Community Church, we are all about making people and places new, and we wanna know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co.